welcome to the Talking With Tech podcast. My name is Chris Bouguet, and I'm here with Rachel Madel. What's going on, Rachel? Not much, Chris. I'm excited for our Talking With Tech banters. Rachel, uh, what's something like, I don't know, really exciting that happened in your life recently? Um, really exciting? Hmm. I mean, my mom came to visit. <laughs> that was really exciting for me to see her. I haven't seen her in a while. Pog. Poggers. That's totally poggers. I don't know what you're saying. Oh my God, is this a new like word, like sus? That you're gonna teach me? This is a new word. I'm, you know, I'm hip. I'm down with the you are. with the slang. You know, I, I'm up with all the funky words. And uh, the, one of the latest words out in middle schools and high schools is pog and poggers. And I bring that up because um, we often talk about uh, words that might you might add to communication devices for those quick fire phrases uh, and for social situations. And I feel like it's our duty, Rachel. I feel like it's especially mine because I have two kids here that can teach me about this new vocabulary that we have to bring it out on the podcast. So pog, you know, back in the day, pog, P-O. OG meant this little, did you have them? Yes. And I had the coolest slammer ever. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, what's a slammer? Tell me, tell, I got tell everyone who doesn't know. <laughs> okay. So pog, was it pogs plural? Is that what it was? It was. The game? Okay. It was like, it was so, it was so crazy how great, like how cool it was, but it was just these little cardboard circles <laughs> that you would stack up. And then I forget actually how to play the game, but the slammer was what you would use to like try to flip these like little cardboard circles and they had all different you know designs and I had like cool like unicorn I had a unicorn slammer that's what I'm thinking about right now I can see it in my head Um, and the slammer was just like this little plastic circle that you would use and I, I, I literally don't remember the point of the game but I remember it was like all the rage and everyone was like comparing like what pogs they had and what slammers and all these things yeah, so Pog grew into from a tiddlywink sort of game into this no slang word, this new slang word that the kids are using that means like, that's cool, awesome, that's totally Poggers. So interesting. <laughs> I would totally add it on to a communication uh, system. I'd be one or I'd be teaching how to spell it, right? I mean, and using potentially word prediction, depending on, on each individual student, though, would be in my thought process of like, how do we add Pog and Poggers? I love that. And I think it's just an important reminder like start listening to you know the cafeteria and all of the places where kids are communicating um, because we want our kids who use AAC to have access to the same types of cool language um, as all their peers and I also think when you do this um, you know think about how fun it would be if an AAC user like you know, rolled up and was like, oh, that's so pog (laughs) or or poggers. I don't even know how to use it. I clearly need to learn. Um, But but I feel like all all of a sudden there's this peer acceptance layer that we've also kind of advocated for and done there. And so I think it's just important that we give, you know, access to those types of words and language. And um, it's super fun and motivating for kids too. Well, and I think that's a great way to learn about these, uh, these sort of slang words that are out there is in the same way we teach other vocabulary. So I'm a big fan of the Freyer model. So the Freyer model, if people are not familiar, it's like a Venn diagram where you put the word in the center and then you have different components in these quadrants around that word, right? So what's a definition? Draw a picture, put it in a, in a sentence, and then a, an example of what it's not, like the opposite, right? And so imagine, you know, being in a room full of kids and you throw a pog up there and you're like, all right, you got to teach Mr. B. I don't know what pog means. I hear you saying it. 
but can you map it out for me so I can visually see it? But now you're just learning words, man, right? Yeah, that's exactly what we're trying to do, right? (laughs) I love it. Chris, I have something, uh, or I have a question for you. You just got something new. That's really exciting. That's so pog, right? It is so pog. It is. So now, um, for years, you and I have recorded on this, uh, it's kind of an obscure tool. It's called Zoom. I don't know if people have heard it or not. Uh, but yeah, we've been using Zoom for, for many, many years. But I only had the free version, right? I mean, Rachel, you needed the, the I mean, it's part of your business. But my, my job didn't dictate that I had Zoom. And my job, we use Google Meets and we use Microsoft Teams. I didn't really need Zoom except for this one thing, uh, doing the podcast together. And so for, for a long time, uh, when I would record interviews, all the peop- interviews that people would hear, you know, when you're not there, you know, it was just me and somebody, we would use my Zoom, which was the free version of the Zoom. Why would I buy it, right? And so finally, 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 I was able to uh, use our Patreon money to, to buy a subscription to Zoom. So what that means, how that's better, is that so often the people who are former interviews uh, you know, people who have been on the podcast before can tell you there's been times where we said, oh, okay, we're up at 40 minutes, so we're going to send you a new link, and we're going to have to do that, and they're super gracious about it, right? But all that is wasted time. It's all more editing work for Michaela, and because of our awesome, awesome Patreon supporters, uh, I was able to finally subscribe to Zoom, and and now we don't have that, that limit anymore, right? And uh, now I don't have to say, hey, well, we'll come right back. We can just talk as much as we want to, talk as long as we want to. Um, and it's been fantastic. So thank you, Patreon supporters. Thank you so much. Uh, that and, you know, I've sent out little pictures and things in the past, but I've got, you know, in the closet here, I've got, you can't hear it, but uh, Rachel, you know, right now you can't you can see it either, but there's this um, foam, you know, up in the closet to keep the, that's from the Patreon supporters. The money that people put in the Patreon, we turn around and we put it right back into the podcast. So thank you so much for all of you that are supporting through Patreon. Yes, we can't say thank you enough and it is so humbling that people decide to support our podcast and love our podcast so you know that support financially helps us maintain this podcast and continue to do the work that we do to share you know all of our episodes weekly you know to support our team who works so hard to put this podcast together too um so if you're interested in becoming a patreon member there's super awesome stuff in there it's been almost two years chris since since we started the patreon which feels crazy um which means there's tons and tons of back content you know behind the scenes interviews parts of podcast episodes tons of free resources there's so many things in there so if you are interested in becoming a Patreon member, um, just go to patreon.com backslash talking with tech. Um, your support is greatly appreciated. And um, there's also tons of, you know, great resources that have to do with AAC in there. Um, so at this point, it's, you know, there's so much that you could go through and benefit from just because we've been doing, you know, the Patreon for almost two years now. All right, Rachel, I guess it's time for me to dip. Is that a new word? We're going to have to talk about that next week. That is another new word. It means leave. I'm learning. Yeah, we dipped out of the out of the basketball game or whatever the football game you i'm sorry you did what we dipped you know what that reminds me i'm sorry i have to say this remember that song when i dip you dip we dip (laughs) (laughs) that's what it reminds me of (laughs) all right so before we dip without further ado here's our interview with Lori crane
Hey there! If you love listening to this podcast, we would be so, so grateful for your support to keep it going. By becoming a Patreon member, you can not only help us cover the cost of this podcast, but you can get some really great bonus content as well. We post video tutorials, behind-the-scenes recordings, and bonus segments from our interviews. We would love for you to join us by going to patreon.com slash talkingwithtech. That's patreon.com slash talkingwithtech. And I'm here with one of my favorite speech language pathologists, Lori Crane. Lori, how's it going? It's great. It's great. We woke up to a cool morning in West Texas. So that's where you are now. I mean, of course, you and I know each other from back in the day. You used to be here in Virginia. We worked very closely together, you as the speech language pathologist at an elementary school and me as the, back in the day, the assistive technology trainer. Um, But then you picked up and you moved to Texas on me. I know we had to move back home. My husband grew up on a working cattle ranch outside of Abilene and our youngest daughter graduated and the cranes were like, okay, you've been gone for 14 years. It's time to come back. (laughs) So we did. We came back to Abilene. Yeah. Now, and of course now we miss you, but of course we keep up on social media and see how things are going like, you know, through Facebook and things like that. So I know you a little bit and I know how your career has switched from an elementary um, speech language pathologist to what you're doing now, but why don't we bring everyone else up to speed? So tell us a little, a little bit about who you are and what you do. Sure, sure. Uh, Randy and I have been married for 34 years, so we, we go way, way back. And we have three adult kids. We now have three grandsons. The latest was born about a month ago, his Jack, Tucker, and Ozzy. So we have quite the, the group of boys around us, so it's a lot of fun. And um, two of our adult kids live in Abilene, and our youngest is now in OT uh, graduate school at UTEP. So we didn't pull her into speech pathology, but, you know, she's close enough. So that's that's wonderful. And I am a speech language pathologist. I'm an instructor and the undergraduate program director at Abilene Christian University. Uh, I graduated from ACU in December of 91. So it's been a long time and it has been so fun to come back and pour into this next generation as speech pathologist. Chris, our future is looking bright. We have some amazing young people that are just fired up for this field. And it's so encouraging to me. Never thought I would teach in higher ed, but here I am starting my sixth year um, at ACU. So it's just been um, a big adventure. That's amazing. So it's really like coming home and going back to your roots where you started. And and there's one getting paid for it, but two, that's sort of giving back to the community that you came from. Yeah. And we're a faith-based institution. So we get to pour, um, you know, that into them as well. And a lot of them, you know, we're looking where, where's my mission in life? What, what do I do? And I said, oh, you don't have to look far in this field. We're, we're such a service oriented field and it's just been great. And, uh, our department has been wonderful about letting me kind of pull in this AAC uh, focus in our clinic and in some of our curriculum. So that's been a lot of fun too. So let's talk about that a little bit. Let's talk about AAC. So what's your background and your history with AAC? 
who it goes way back to 1986. Um, I met my husband after I graduated high school at a family resort in the mountains of, of Colorado, Fun Valley. And little did I know then that um, not only that would set my personal course of life, but also my professional. He Once I met his family, I met Larry, his older brother, who had cerebral palsy. And he lived at Abilene State Supported Living Center back then it was called Abilene State School. And he needed augmentative communication and he needed assistive technology. And so when I transferred to ACU, I think it was my junior year, we I started out at Valdosta State University. I grew up in South Georgia. And when I transferred to ACU, I said, okay, I want to go to state school and do my first clinical rotation. <laughs> because I want to work with Larry. And, and I just found a passion for that. And that was in 1988. You know, back in the day, we did clinic in undergrad. We had 100 plus hours. You know, we don't do that as much. We're trying to do that more at ACU now. But um, yeah, that was my first clinic site. And it was, I think back on that 30 plus years ago, the systems were mainly low tech, we didn't have a lot of high-tech systems, but they were so robust. There was so much modeling going on. It's almost like we've come full circle into that. And I just had some amazing SLP mentors in, in that. And we were adapting for the time. You know, Larry was able to turn his radio on and off with a switch, you know, very rudimentary setup. And he was able to turn his TV on and off. And it was just, it just lighted up lit a passion in me that has carried me through um, for many years. And then we stayed in Abilene for a while after I graduated, worked mainly in education. And then in 2001, a week before 9-11, we picked up and moved to Northern Virginia. <laughs> Little did we know. Um, and there I started out at Grafton, which was heavy in AAC uh, in that setting, and Matthew Center in Manassas, Virginia, and then, of course, ended up in Loudoun County, uh, where we met and worked together for, and I just learned from you um, as we went through that process. So yeah, it's it's kind of a windy road, but AAC kind of just pulls me back in every time I try to get out of it. Yeah, you've never really been far from it, really. And now you're you're teaching courses that involve AAC. So let's talk a little bit about that because uh, you had mentioned how like the future looks bright. Um, and I would imagine people listening to this that depending on the university they're going to or the university that they they went to uh, looking at the pre-service teachers. I feel like across the country and across the world, that's a little hit or miss, like some yeah. speech therapy programs. Even you said like the history um, at your university is um, um, like in the last couple of years is where the AAC has had a focus. Can you talk a little bit about that? Like what is the instruction, maybe the history of it or, and then what does it look like now? Like how, if, if I was going to go to your college and I was going to be a pre-service teacher, what would be my experience with AAC? Yeah, well, we are trying to increase that definitely. Um, about 
four years ago, one of the last times I was able to to attend the AAC Pittsburgh conference, it was a focus conference for university professors teaching. And I had not yet taught our first AAC course. And, you know, you introduced me to AAC Pittsburgh years ago. And so I I went as an SLP. Um, That is the, the training that Bruce Baker provided in Pittsburgh and was just phenomenal. And I really, just lucked out when I uh, called to find out, hey, are there more trainings? I would love to come again. And they said, you know, in about a week, we are hosting university professors. <laughs> and I said, okay, I'm coming. And I did. I hopped on a plane. Our department chair said, yes, go. And that really helped lay the foundation. We were able to come together and talk about what we were doing at our universities. And I think most of the universities were in the same place we were in. We knew it needed to be um, enriched, more robust instruction. We just weren't all sure where to start with that. And so uh, really just kind of mentoring each other, sharing syllabi and seeing what textbooks we were going to use. And um, it was just such a rich experience in that. And really, we've just grown from that. I made some contacts that are in uh, Texas. I met Deanna Linick. at that training and she's become a really good friend and um, consultant with me and sounding board, you know, when we're not sure which direction to turn. So, and of course, Chris Klein, you know, we, we're all friends with Chris and uh, hopefully I'll get to share a little bit about a project we're working on together. We meet about once a week right now, um, working on a nonprofit, but just making the connections, I think, builds up programs uh, because by us working together, we're able to share and to mentor. So we do offer um, about every other summer, we offer an elective for our undergraduate students in AAC that's always uh, attended well. And I even got to teach one during COVID. You know, the last time I taught it, it had to move fully online, but I think it was a good experience. And we were able to make the pivot uh, to that. And then I also teach uh, a graduate course in AAC for about eight weeks. And then of course, all the clinical experiences, you know, I, I think the students really realize the power of that knowledge when they're able to go out. And some of them honestly are educating their supervisors because Chris, like you and I, if you didn't specialize in this, we didn't have coursework mm-hmm. um, in this. And so it's it's really helping them bridge that gap. And they don't realize that this was not um, a heavy area in our, our coursework in graduate school uh, in years gone by. They think it's normal. Normal and that everybody is learning about it. <laughs> yeah, right. I, I and and I that really resonates with me because um, yeah, when I was in undergraduate, there was I don't it was like embedded into another course as sort of a mention. Um, mm-hmm. I had some experience in my undergrad where um, we had like a an event where people came who who are at the university level who are AAC users and we got to spend time with them. But that was about it. And then graduate school, not much more. It was a like a half a course on it. And when you think about how prevalent is it is now in schools and in other environments, I mean, you are for sure going to have more AAC users than you're going to have um, people who uh, are working on fluency for instance, right? But fluency is probably a whole course in most uh, in most uh, programs as opposed to AAC. Do you think I'm being fair there? 
Oh, definitely. And especially depending on the setting you're in, like you said, the schools, you're you're going to have AAC um, needs uh, within those settings. And so, yeah, I think that has been the challenge and also the benefit of having a department that is so open and accepting to pulling that in. I get emails all the time from previous students, current students, that are in their clinical placements. I've received an email last night um, from a student that is in a school district and is challenged because, you know, the device isn't working. The Wi-Fi isn't working when they're in the school. So, you know, I've got to make a backup system and I need help. And I said, okay, let's problem solve. So I think that even more class time is important. Having the coursework, laying the foundation is important. But teaching them how to learn and how to problem solve and to meet these challenges head on, I think, is the biggest gift that we can give them. So they're not fearful of AAC. I think sometimes it can be very intimidating. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's so... Um... Uh, well, clearly, I mean, we've had three years of a podcast and we're only scratching the surface of the topics we could talk about, right? It's very deep. It's very, it's always changing. There's always perspectives that need to be um, that brought forth. And so, yeah, I could see how intimidating it is, but it makes a lot of sense that the sooner you kind of dive in and have experiences, the less intimidating it becomes and the more manageable it becomes. You learn strategies for how to brainstorm and you find those connections, like you said, uh, you, you doing it at a, at a, a collegiate um, academic level and them doing it at a at a um, intervention you know uh, level but still making the, the finding the resources and finding the people that you can rely on so, it, it's ahead, so sorry. true and one of my goals is that they will leave ACU and leave my course or even clinical and never remember that AAC is not language if I can lay that foundation we have accomplished a lot because we have not always thought in those terms. And it, you know, becomes about the device. Well, if we start with the language system, the device will come, you know, we will feature match and do all the evaluations. So that's, that's kind of my simple goal for the students is, is they approach it that way. Cause we know language, we know that. Yeah, exactly. Oh my gosh. That's exactly. And having that, um, where you're going with the language so that that the, that end goal in mind of being able to say whatever you want to say, however you want to say it, so that it's not just, well, yeah, I learned to say a few more words. Okay, that's good. That's progress. But is that really the end game? Uh, um, no, we want to have something that's a, a lot more robust than just, uh, you know, be able to say, I want pizza. You know, for, yes, definitely. And, you know, um, I don't know about you, but in years past, I kind of got stuck there. Um, and so even my progression through that, and I share that with the students, I said, I've done everything wrong. <laughs> you know, I know better now on a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, avenues. And so I think them hearing that and knowing this isn't a perfect science, this is, like you said, problem solving teamwork. You and I consulted on a lot of uh, difficult cases and how we were going to approach that. And I think that's so important. And then you, you know, hear uh, or see a mom post a Facebook post with a kiddo that we are working at getting their own device. He has a loaner device right now. And he was able at school, he's 12 years old at school a couple of weeks ago, say that he was sick. And sure enough, they did a COVID test and it was positive. And, you know, the power of communication beyond the, the I wants, and that's where it hones it in on us and, and keeps that focus. So. 
Lori, let me ask you just to dig in a little bit deeper here with uh, um, sort of the two facet, facets of the education. There's the there's the coursework, like you said, where you can kind of learn the content. Um, and we think of that in professional learning and, you know, in uh, uh, that, that that's like the training. You know, I'm going to give you the information. You're going to consume the information in different ways. And then there's the second part, which is the skills based. Like, okay, so sure, I know what um, what I'm that I'm supposed to model. I have no idea how I'm supposed to model or where the words are. I got to practice that and actually kind of go through that. So mm-hmm. can you talk a little bit about that? Like what is the, you know, some of the, the the basic content that you would cover that you're trying to expose the students to? And then what does the practical experience really look like um, for like, I guess it's a practicum. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I have a passion for experiential learning and interprofessional education. So we try to approach it from both those avenues um, and giving those students the ability to practice and to learn. We, we've kind of coined the phrase in our department, the classroom to clinic connection. And it's not just in AAC, it's with articulation and phonology and language intervention um, and pulling all of those together because, you know, I don't know if you remember, I, I try to think back when I was in grad school, even though it was a long time ago, you think as a student, you think very much topics and you kind of isolate those and you don't realize that once you're out there, it's all going to merge together. And so laying that academic foundation, yes, we need the textbook knowledge. We need to know um, what modeling or aided language stimulation, what does that look like and how does that play out? We have to know that. But then when you have that client in our, which we have, ACU has a full working clinic, or when you have that client in the elementary school, what does that look like? So a lot of role playing, uh, like I said, a lot of experiential learning, setting up those scenarios. They have a big project where they take their mock client through case history all the way through the creation and implementation of a device. And if they are recommending a high-tech device, they make a backup low-tech just so that they have that experience. So I try to pull everything um, we do from the text and, and the PowerPoints and the Google Slides and all of that and the videos and really put a person to it. I, I always tell my students in all the classes I teach, this is not a disorder. This is a person and this is a family. And of course, we have Chris Klein come talk a couple of times a year to our students. And that is powerful. His words and his example is powerful. So I think just pulling in as much as experiential learning and uh, interprofessional education that we can do. We have a, a master's OT program at ACU and we have social work and licensed school psychologist and we have an IPE department. And so we do mock Um, Well, in Texas, we call them mock ARD meetings, IEP meetings, and we do simulations as well. So, yeah, we're always just uh, trying to make that classroom to clinic connection. That sounds like you'd be really prepared when you come out of that because you've had practice, you know, and you've and I think that 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 the more practice you have, the more comfortable you feel when you're in that real life situation. Mm-hmm. Um, it does just makes so much sense. I hope so. <laughs> yeah. Lori, let me switch gears a little bit. You mentioned this work you're doing with Chris. So can you talk about that a little bit? What's, uh, what's going on? Yeah. So um, about a year ago, Deanne and Chris and I started talking and a couple of other people that are friends with her in the Dallas Fort Worth area. And it was just on her heart to talk about what does 
the Christian experience look like for a symbol speaker? You know, a lot of our families aren't able to attend church services, whatever church that might be. And so we have created a nonprofit called Halakha. It's Hebrew for go and tell. And uh, Chris, you know, has a master's degree in theology. So that's a, a passion of his. And he conducts Bible studies over Zoom with fellow symbol speakers. And um, yeah, so we're just brainstorming and problem solving on how we can teach and convey the the Bible stories and symbols for families that are in need of those services. So. Fantastic. So if people wanted to learn more, how would they how would they learn more? We are working on our website now, so stay tuned. <laughs> okay. When you when you've yeah. got that, you let me know and we'll okay. add it to the show notes and we'll we'll get it yeah. all caught up to speed. Cool. Yeah, we're doing some instruction videos um and we're uh, gonna use symbol it. Are you familiar with that? That's the that's the mobile tool where you can kind of talk into it and talk like into it. Uh-huh. So it translates anything you say. So yeah, we can talk more about that. So Noah, tell us about so how are you using it? So we are so our idea with Halika is that uh, churches or even parents, some some parents prefer to do the studies at home, um, whether they're Bible studies or they're homeschooling. And we're using the software Symbolit, where you can speak into you can choose the device that you're um, individual utilizes to communicate and you can choose that and you talk into your iPhone or an iPad and it translates and the icons generate on this, uh, on the screen. And so we can use that. Our idea is to use that in Bible classes. So a Sunday school teacher didn't need a special curriculum. You know, we are including and we are using the same stories and lessons that are being taught to all the kids. And we're able to use that and to convey those messages um, through that program. The symbol based. Okay, cool. And we're going to do many training videos also so that anyone can pick this up and use it. Um, I think it's just about accessibility mm-hmm. and um, equality. All right, Lori, I'm going to change gears again. So I'm going to ask you to climb into your DeLorean, right? We're going to go back in time a little bit here. Um, It was March 12th, 2020. And um, I was at the Speech and Hearing Association for Virginia conference here in Northern Virginia. I was presenting and there was... um, you were going to be there. You were going to, you were doing a session uh, with a colleague and I was like, oh, Crane's presenting. I'm going to go and see uh, what's that, what's that all about? Because it was all about your work, uh, your international work. Uh, so I went and unfortunately you couldn't be there. It had nothing to do with the pandemic, right? It was just, that was like the day things started shutting down. The In fact, yeah. the, the conference, that was the first day of the conference and the second day shut down. We, we never went back, um, but you weren't able to get there and I didn't get to see you. So um, tell us about that work. What is your international work? Uh, Um, what have you done in the past? And just, I don't know, catch me up because, um, I mean, I went to the session, even though you weren't there, but for, for the rest of the world, what's going on? Yes. I was so disappointed. I was so excited to have another friend from Southern Virginia, Melanie Melton. And I met in Uganda. We had to go all the way to Kampala, Uganda to meet. And she's a fellow speech language pathologist that just went to Hope Speaks to work on her own. And here we show up, Dr. Lynette Austin and I, with about eight students. (laughs) She didn't know what she was getting into uh, when she signed up for that. But yeah, we had talked about uh, presenting 
morning and we submitted and were approved for a presentation in Virginia. And I got sick. I got sick like the day before I was supposed to leave. And then COVID hit and all the shutdown. So I guess it was a blessing in disguise. But I did miss out on that. And I was so glad you still went and heard Melanie uh, talk about that experience. So in the summer of 2019, we made our first trip, um, a three-week service trip to Hope Speaks in Kapala, Uganda. It was uh, created by Ben and Carrie David. Ben is Ugandan and Carrie uh, is American. They met at Calvin University, and he came over uh, to the States to receive his uh, college education. And he tells the story. He was never going back to Uganda. He grew up, he lost both of his parents to AIDS and grew up in an orphanage there. And little did they know there was another plan in place for them to go back. And Carrie wasn't sure what she would do as a speech pathologist in Uganda. Well, you know, here again, we have the last laugh and that she has, her and Ben have created this nonprofit that has has served hundreds and hundreds of families. And they work with children and adults. There are about 3 million individuals in Kapala uh, or in Uganda that have special needs. And there's just not a lot of services. So we met them about five years ago. They came to ACU when they were on um, just looking for partners to work with and speech pathology groups uh, to work with. And so it took us a few years, but we made it over and we worked a lot with feeding issues. We took a lot of low tech AAC items over. There are a lot of adults because of the um, Kubota accidents uh, with traumatic brain injury. A lot of the children have cerebral palsy and birth injuries. So we were just able to hit the ground running and provide a lot of therapeutic intervention and support for the families. We also were able to train Ugandan SLP students, which was an unexpected surprise. We spent a Saturday morning working with the local university and working with their future SLPs. And it was interesting because they really had never heard of AAC or any kind of augmentative communication. So that was new to them. So not only did we get to work with families and kids and adults, but also pouring into that next generation, because that's Ben and Carrie's goal is to fully employ all Ugandan SLPs and then have American SLPs come over and support some of their special needs. Right now, I just met uh, Dr. Austin and I just met with them yesterday morning. They have really had to pivot during COVID. They have had to switch to more nutritional intervention because so many of their kids and families um, have food insecurity and malnourishment is, is a big problem right now. So that's been a challenge for them. Were you saying you were there for just one week and you fit all we of that? No, three weeks. Oh, three weeks. We were there for three weeks. Yes. We saw a lot of students. And it was funny because we weren't quite sure. We knew we were providing therapy, but we didn't know what it would look like. You know, the first time you do anything is a new experience. And 
we hit the ground running and started working with kids and, and our undergrads would assist us. So we were the primary because they, they had some intense needs and all the students were so surprised. It was like, I didn't know you could do therapy like this. <laughs> So that was a lot of fun. So we surprised them with our, our therapy skills or something. Yes, we, we did do this for a few years before we started teaching. <laughs> um, you mentioned AAC there and using low tech supports. Can you describe those a little bit? I mean, did you use English? Did you have a, um, a different language? How did you create those low tech supports? What, what did that all look like? Yeah, that that was a funny story. We so another area that I haven't mentioned yet that we have at ACU is our Maker Lab, and it has just been an amazing adventure to work in our Maker Lab. We're able to. You would love this space, Chris. It has all of the woodworking equipment. It has sewing machines. It has the laser etching machines, but it also has a lot of 3D printers. So we printed out a lot of the project core tactile symbols and took those with us, which those were great tools. We also made low-tech communication boards. Um, about five years ago, when I started at ACU and knew that the Maker Lab was there, and you know, I'm I'm from the the past of where we took the the CDs and we you know went to closing the gap and and had all of the hands on switch making projects, and I said, oh, the Maker Lab could be fun for that. So I partnered with Darren Wilson, who was at the time the lead of the Maker Lab, and he really had not heard of assistive technology. So we reached out to Bill Binko through Lesson Picks and AT Makers. He just saved us uh, with some wonderful information. And we started adapting in the Maker Lab. Mm -hmm. So all of those items we were creating, adapting toys, making the printing out the 3D symbols, printing out switches, we were able to take with us to Uganda and use those. Um, and then... Uh, Bill and Lori Binko are just so generous. They have a university program with Lesson Picks, and our students are able to get free access to that. And so they had the tools to make communication boards and displays. And yeah, we were able to translate those as we needed. But English is the primary language. Gotcha. So you didn't have to necessarily, um, you translated when necessary, but otherwise you could just use English. Yeah. And, and so that was great. And we even uh, met a gentleman that had been a speed skater and he had a traumatic brain injury because of a, a motor vehicle accident. And we went into his, his home and he was the ultimate maker, Chris, you would have loved him. He had adapted and had people bring him welding items to help him navigate um, his home. He had a phone that someone had given him. And we took a couple of like the bendable arms that you get off Amazon where you clamp on. We were able to mount his phone and he was able to sit upright and use that to communicate. And he is uh, writing parts of his story into book form. And so some of those simple just devices that we took over very low tech made a big difference because he was holding his phone down here. And, you know, we had one of those little bendable arms that we used for eye gaze systems and he was able to use that. 
We also made eye gaze systems with the clear plastic in the Maker Lab and used the little cat toy eye pointers, and we could attach those to hats or to headbands. And so this, some of the kids were able to communicate for the first time with those very low-tech eye gaze boards. And awesome. we made those, yeah. So Lori, what happens next? Like you said there, they um, had to pivot because of COVID and focus on more nutritional aspects. Um, where do you see this going? Are you planning on, a, a, you know, a, I'm, I'm sure the pandemic has had an effect, but what's the ongoing relationship and what comes next? Yeah, we definitely have an ongoing relationship. Um, I've even provided some training to their um, SLPs, even with the eight hour time difference, we'll get up early or stay up late uh, to do that. And so we also do some fundraising for them. Monetary donations are the best avenue. It's hard to ship things there. They can really get lost um, in the shipment process. And, um, but we just found out that we have been, our department has been awarded a grant from our missions department. It's a new program called Wildcat Academics on Mission. And we are going to receive funding for our students to go back. It's going to pay for their travel expenses, which is just amazing. We're so thankful for that. So we are planning on taking another group of seven to eight students this summer. We are hoping our social work students will join us. We've, we've talked to them. Uh, like I said, we love our IPE, interprofessional education, and social work is needed there as well. And so our plan is to go mid-June for three weeks and continue the work that they are doing, also providing that nutritional support and, and education. Uh, many of the parents feel like it's been a curse that, that their child has a disability or a special um, need situation and just really educating them on the truth behind that and that it's not their fault and um, giving them support in that area. So I think Ben and Carrie are trying to make it to ASHA. So if they do look for the Hope Speaks booth okay. and their website is joinhopespeaks.org and they're on Instagram and on Facebook. Fantastic. We'll make sure we have that in the show notes so people can go and um, one, learn about it, but then two, if they can support, support, right? Okay. Definitely, definitely. They definitely need support. A lot of their children, um, because of COVID, have had uh, medical bills and Hope Speaks helps pay for that. So most of the, the families aren't able to pay for that medical intervention. Amazing. I will, I'll definitely look. I'm going to be at ASHA, so I'll definitely go and try and find them uh, and say hello. Um, so let me ask you, I like to kind of uh, wrap up our interviews with sort of a, a question about what you're curious about in the in the field. What are you what's got you sort of jazzed? What's sort of got you, you know, questing after what sort of knowledge or information is kind of, uh, uh, I don't know, it's kind of sparking your 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 internal um, uh, flame, if you will. So what, what have you been thinking about? I think one thing that we have really started diving into is streamlining. How do we streamline this evaluation process in our clinic to really maximize our time to teach the students, give them experiences that are meaningful and that are translatable in the real world. You know, sometimes in the clinic, we have this wonderful little um, environment where we can create the scenarios we want to see. 
And we're doing that through bringing in a consultant and helping us really streamline our evaluation. And I'm excited about it because we're going to start using some videos prior to uh, coming to have the student or the adult come for the AAC eval and just really kind of thinking out of the box of how can we evaluate and not just be face-to-face for two hours. And so that's challenged us in our setting, but I think it's going to be a great process um, as our supervisors learn more about this, as our students learn more, and as we learn together. Uh, We are big on making mistakes, going back, fixing those, problem solving. And so I think the students seeing us go through this process is really powerful. So, yeah, just and I was glad Rachel had some great links last week, I think, on her Instagram about evaluation. And, you know, that's just always a challenge in our our field. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, uh, that I think is also has. Well, it's been a way there's been a way to do assessments for years um, and years and years. But the technology has moved on. Things have changed. Uh, There's an evolution that happens here. And so it's exciting to me to hear you kind of exploring what else can we do besides the way we've always done it, which because the way we've always done it maybe hasn't always been a super effective. You know, Um, I'm always thinking about how you could probably do five different uh, one student, you get five different AAC people in to do an assessment and they'd come up with five different answers. There's a hide to have a consistency there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It's so important. Cool. Um, All right. Well, Lori, uh, if people wanted to reach out to you and find out more about you, where could they contact you? What would be your contact information? So email me, let me know. I would love to hear. I love to um, connect with people and brainstorm and build those relationships we're, we're kind of a small group, the AAC world. And so I'd love to hear from you guys. My email is lac16a at acu.edu. And we also have a, a great Instagram page for our students. It's ACU Speech Pathology. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Lori, for coming on the Talking With Tech podcast. And we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, Chris.